Well, hey, I'm glad to be here. How about you? Give me some love. Hey, awesome. Hey, if you don't mind, just keep those clappers going. Let's welcome everybody online right now, too. We are fired up that you've joined us. Hey, my name is Tony, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm thrilled. I actually am thrilled. It's great to be able to pray over some little ones today, and I'm telling you what, it's been a phenomenal series. We're in the series called The Pursuit of Happiness. It's actually, uh, today we're actually landing the, the plane, so to say, and it's a six-week series. It's been great. And really, the, the whole time, we've really been camping on this idea that all of us are in this pursuit of happiness. It's just true. I mean, I want to be happy. You want to be happy. According to, you know, Cy from Duck Dynasty, we all want to be happy, happy, happy. You know, it's just kind of what goes on with life. But the only problem with that, and what we've been discovering, is that happiness is actually temporary. It doesn't last. It, it goes about as quick as it comes. And so we've kind of defined happiness this way. I'll put it on the side screens for you. We said happiness has been dependent on what happens to me. It's just kind of, it's dependent on external circumstances. Happiness is just, I mean, if, I am, if I'm having a good day, then I'm happy. But if I'm not, you know, I'm not. You know, uh, my, my two-year-old Anna, she even knows this to be true. Happiness is dependent on her. Take a peek at this picture of Anna. This is Anna. In the backseat of our Suburban. Now, you might think that we have just, like, whipped this kid, like, 400 times. You know, she is absolutely going ballistic. But the truth is, she's lost a little plastic toy uh, lip gloss. And that's what's going on for her. I mean, happiness for her is totally dependent on what happens to her. If she has the lip gloss, I'm telling you what, you, she'd eat peas all day. But if she doesn't have the lip gloss, we are in terrible shape. But that's what happiness is. It's dependent on what happens to us. Joy, what we're finding, is so much better. It's different. Because joy is dependent on what's in me. And that's been huge for us. We hope there's something more to life than just this pursuit of happiness. We hope there's actually something different. And it's joy. We've been defining it, like I said, as this. Joy is dependent on what is in me. And that's a big deal. We've actually been studying this book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. It's a book written by this guy named Paul. And it's a letter that he wrote to a group of believers, but his setting is very fascinating. Where he's, you know, positioned right now is he's beaten up, chained up, and he's in a Roman prison cell for telling people about his faith. And you would think that he'd write a book to a group of believers, you know, a bunch of Jesus followers saying like, oh, it's so hard, you know, it's so tough. But instead he writes this four-chapter little letter to encourage people to be joyful. Kind of blows me away. The theme verse of the whole book really is Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, always be full of joy. Love that. It's not something like just casually. It's not like happiness where it comes, you know, if you lose a few pounds or get a new car. He says, always be full of joy. But what I want you to catch is that he says, in the Lord. Because there's a big difference of being, you know, happy occasionally or even being joyful occasionally. He's saying always be full of joy, but it comes when you're in the Lord. It comes when you have a relationship with God. And that's been huge for us. We actually jump-started this series. I remember just, it was like over a month ago now, we actually talked about this key verse in Philippians, chapter 1, verse 10. Again, I'll put it on the screens for you. He says, I want you to understand what really matters. How do you always be full of joy? You understand what really matters. For some of you, you know what it's like, or maybe you have a loved one who's almost faced death and I always find it fascinating. You talk to somebody who is, you know, came close to losing a loved one or maybe losing their own life, they get really clear on what really matters. And Paul would say, if you want to have joy in your life, you better be clear on what matters. 
So we talked about week one. We said Jesus really matters. Others really matter. The people in your life really do matter. How we do relationships with people really matters, and you matter. You, you really matter to God. He created you. He loved you. He sent his son Jesus for you. You really do matter. A couple of weeks after that, we spent a week talking about what it's like to have joy in the midst of suffering, because isn't it easy to be joyful when life's all good? I mean, when you're on vacation in Cancun, it's really easy to be joyful, but when you're going through a hardship in life, I mean, it's a little bit different, so how do you do that? Well, we just kind of camped on two phrases. I won't put them on the screen for you. We kind of said this. We said, you don't have to understand the why in order to trust God with the what. A lot of you maybe are going through life even right now going, why, God, why am I having to deal with this? You say be joyful, but man, this is really hard for me right now. And Paul would say, you don't have to understand the why in life. All of us would like to know the why, but sometimes we just can't even understand, we can't handle it. In order to trust God with the what you're dealing with. And then we said this on that same Sunday, we said, your misery could actually become your ministry. Ask anybody who's gone through something that's been really difficult in their life, they're the ones who can make the greatest impact in others who are about to go through it. That was a great Sunday for us. Then on Mother's Day, we kind of looked at this idea of making a move from being selfish to selfless. We said, man, joy, there's nothing that kills joy quicker than being selfish, all consumed on you. And so we kind of looked at how do you make the move to being selfless? What does that even mean? What's it look like? And then last week was my absolute favorite Sunday because we camped in this idea of the joy of overcoming our past. I won't make you raise your hand but I bet you most of us in this room would love it if we could overcome maybe the past addictions or if that, that horrible season in our life, if we could actually be freed up from remembering it or you know, released from the guilt that it holds onto our lives. And so we just looked at that. There's one phrase that we shared uh, that really kind of grabbed me. It says, you can't change your past, but God can change your future. I said that the two most powerful words in the English dictionary are but God but God. I might feel like I'm in a hopeless situation, but God can bring me through it. But God can do something miraculous, even in the current state that I am. And to tell you the dead honest truth, the reason that it was so great for me is at the end of the morning, we actually watched 18 people who've had a but God experience who kind of placed their faith in Christ and said, you know what, since God's done so much for me, I want to go public in my faith. I want to get baptized. And we watched 18 people get baptized last week. And we just put together a quick highlight video. So check this out on the side screens.
Yeah, I think we should all just give a big round of applause for those who did that. Man, there's, that just never gets old. It never gets old. And I'm telling you what, since uh, the video, welcome to the stage, Carrie. Hey, today we're actually doing a message to round out this series called Don't Worry. You, you want to know how to kind of lose joy in your life, be burdened by worry. And I brought up somebody who knows maybe a little bit more about what it's like to worry in the female realm than it does in the guy realm to help us have the conversation. So if you don't mind, I'm going to be, you know, would you give it up for Carrie joining us this morning? Fired up about that. Well, thank you. Good morning. I, um, Unfortunately, I've been brought to the stage this morning because I'm an expert at worrying. (laughs) And uh, by God's grace, I'll maybe become an expert on overcoming worry um, alongside you. But I am good at this um, thing (laughs) called worry, and uh, that can be really tricky. But in the last few years of our life, we've experienced a lot of transitions, moving and job switches and a lot of transitioning things. And so I became really, really familiar with worry. And one thing I learned as I was worrying is that joy and worry cannot coexist. That if I wanted to have joy, I have to get rid of worry. If I'm going to hold on to my worry, I'll never ever experience the joy that God has for me. So I'm glad that in this series on joy, we're taking a minute to think about how to get rid of the worry that's in our life. So fortunately for me, God um, has had me marry someone that is not particularly prone to worry. That's right. Uh, (laughs) It's all good. No worries. (laughs) It would not take you long to realize or to guess who the optimist is in our relationship yeah. and who the realist is. <laughs> oh, in our man. Our I hate it when people so, say that. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I worry, and Tony just does not. So <laughs> a couple of years ago, when we were kind of in the midst of our house hunting here in Washington, it was quite a process. It was, it was longer horrible. and more painful than I think either of us would have liked. We saw um, dozens, maybe hundreds of houses. Yeah, we saw Washington. your house, just so you know. We looked at yours. <laughs> we looked at so many houses, and... <laughs> I worried endlessly about finding a home that would meet our family's needs, but also be within our budget and not require a lot of work. And Tony didn't worry a whole lot about any of the houses <laughs> that we saw. So I, um, Can I, I do a caveat? It's because we were living with her mom, all right? <laughs> every house looked great to me. I was like, let's go. <laughs> like, everyone. <laughs> so you, this is probably really obvious, but Tony's not particularly handy by obvious. any like, what? Handyman standard, but by in his own standard, he is exceptionally handy. That's so right. Thank, I, thank you. That's I wrote down a few conversations that we had, and these are for you real. Did. We looked at a. Um, there was a house that had no basement, and we were oh, pregnant geez. with our fourth. I was pregnant with our fourth child at the time, and I thought like basement, that's pretty important for that's us. Not we're that. a big family, and but Tony, this house, he's like, that's not a big deal. Like you just raise a house up and put a basement in. I could do that. I like, could do that. That's not hard <laughs> at all. Um, there was one that he wanted so bad that only had two bedrooms, and I was like, we we can't do like I'm six still of mad us. At you can't for do two one. bedroom. He's like, we can just knock that bathroom out. Like that could be a bedroom. We don't need anyways. That was one. All the guys are with me. There was come one. on. There was one that was right by the highway, and I was like, you know, our kids are little. I think it's too close to the highway. I'll put it in a fence. Like, that's easy for me. Easy. There was one without a garage, and I was like, you know, we have so many wheeled objects, bikes, trikes, wagons. You know, like, a garage would be really helpful, but Tony's like, there are garage kits at Menards. Like, you put them up in a day. A day. It's easy. It is cheap. Look that's at me. It's not a big deal. Uh, so, like, the plumbing is bad. <laughs> the electrical is bad. He's like, YouTube. Yeah, I can, that's I right. can do this. This is not hard. And then, of course, the one has that was... Um, full of bats in the windowsills, dead bats. But so I was like, I, 
That's just not something I really want to deal with, but you've heard Tony's bat stories. Yeah, give me some credit. In his mind, he's like professional exterminator. Like, that is not, they're not going to be an issue. The bats will be I'm gone. Batman, baby. As soon as <laughs> anyways, anyways, so Tony <laughs> did not worry, but he was wrong about the potential of 99% of the homes we saw. But he was <laughs> right never to worry. He did not get worried or stressed out the way that I did in this um, situation or this season of our life. So anyhow, this morning we went to define worry for you uh, this way. Worry is the sin of not trusting the promises and the power of God. So we call it a sin because it's what it is. All throughout the Bible we read uh, where God tells us, don't worry, do not be afraid. I've got this and I'm bigger. And so when we worry, we're sinning and we're disobeying God's best for us. Um, when we don't trust his promises and believe he is who he says he is, he's yeah. big enough and he's powerful enough. Um, so worry is its certainly not God's best for us. It is no. damaging to us in so many ways, to others around us and to ourselves personally. So we're going to look at a few verses of, um, that we read through the Bible about worry. Solomon says it this way in Proverbs 12, 25. He says, worry weighs a person down. Yeah. And you may have felt that before. Worry is heavy. It is all-consuming. And when there is one thing that worries you, it's soon a hundred things. And the weight of that can make it hard to move or to have the emotional or mental capacity to handle much of anything else when we are dealing with worry. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, just give it away. Give your worries and your cares to God, for he cares for you. Yeah. And we heard, hear Jesus throughout the Gospels talking about worry. In Matthew 6, 25, he says, I tell you not, excuse me, not to worry about everyday life. And today we're going to look at Philippians, um, the book we've been in through this series, and see how Paul grounds out a book on joy by saying you can't worry. And as we've mentioned before in this series, Paul is writing this all from a prison cell. And here he is, un completely unsure or uncertain of what his future might look like or when this season of his life will ever be over. And here he is telling us, don't worry. So Paul puts it so simply. In Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not worry about anything. Yeah. Good and luck. Paul knows <laughs> That's right. Paul knows in order to be full of the joy of the Lord, uh, we have to yeah. kick worry out. So this morning we're going to look at three ways to overcome worry in your life. And they all come right here from Philippians 4. Um, and number one is this. And we have talked about this throughout this series. How do we have joy? And this morning it's going to be the same answer for how do we get rid of worry. And that is be in the Lord. In um, verse 4, we've read this so many times this month, but rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, um, rejoice. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. And um, I want to read a little bit more of these verses here. Verses 5 and 6, they go on to say this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We're going to get there in just a second. And then he says, tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I hope I'm not the only one that knows what it's like to live in a constant state of worry, to be overwhelmed with worry and to let my thought life be consumed with things that I'm concerned about, whether they're simple, like, will I ever get out of my pajamas today? You know, like, will I ever get breakfast cleaned up? What am I going to feed the kids the rest of the day? Are we going to make it to school on time? Does everyone have their shoes on? Little worries, and then as we all know, life has way heavier worries than all of that. But I know what it's like to live in worry. And Paul is saying we need to be in the Lord to escape our worry and to get away from that and to not let worry win, but to let joy win. A couple 
years ago in that same season of house hunting, I let worry win in the worst way. And we were stepping away from our job in Ottumwa to come into Plant City Point Church, but it meant that we were stepping away from an income, and we had no idea if fundraising would be successful or not successful. So would we have an income? Would we have benefits, things we did have? We had a house that we liked. We were living next to family, and we were walking away from all of that into a lot, a lot of unknowns about um, how God was going to provide for us. And it was a great opportunity for us to let faith grow, but it turned into a great opportunity for me to let worry win in my life. At the same time, we had a six-month-old who just had some health concerns, falling off her weight curve, and the doctors had some concerns, so we were meeting with neurologists and having some EEGs, and things turned out okay. But in the midst of all of that, with everything else, and living with my parents and the stress of... Tony commuting back and forth, just not knowing, will God provide? Is he going to show up? Is this even going to work? Are we going to flop? There were a lot of people in our life, incredible mentors and coaches to us, but a lot of their coaching and mentoring, even though it was well-intentioned, was like, this is going to be the most horrible year of your life. You know, the (laughs) first year of church planting is awful. It is absolutely awful. And (laughs) I wanted to take that and let my faith grow, and yet that's worrisome to be told that over and over and over, that you're getting ready for the worst year of your life. Um, was really hard. And so slowly but surely through that season and recently, God is helping me learn some practices that I can put into my life to overcome worry. And one thing I learned through that season is that I'm prone to try and band-aid my worry or put some temporary (coughs) fixes on it. And some of those things are very simple, like, oh, today's going to be stressful. I'm going to start by driving through Starbucks because that will make me feel better (laughs) about life. Or I need, if I run shopping real quick and buy myself something, That'll band-aid my worry. And sometimes it's more meaningful, like relationships. I'll quick send a text to my mom or someone else that I think like, oh, you can fix my worry for me. You can make me feel better. Or put it on Tony to fix my worry. Or fall into the trap of the gazillion health products or things there are to buy that promise peace and calming and joy um, that are so empty. But it's like me to try and put band-aids on things that if I'm not in the Lord, in the Word, and trusting in who He is, all of these band-aids that I attempt with my life are come up so empty for me. Yeah. Hey, I think what she grabbed there was so good. She talks about this band-aid idea. Thanks for sharing that. Here's, here's what I know about each of and every one of us is we each have our own. Uh, I have my own type of band-aids. Carrie has hers. Uh, I mean, my girls have little mermaid ones. You know, we all have our own different type of band-aids that we use to cover up our worry. It's kind of the question is, what do you run into? What are you running to? Because some of us are running to something when we should be running to someone. And that's what Paul was getting at when he says, are you in the Lord? Stop running to the something when he's basically saying, there's someone who's available for you. And I don't want to get too preachy on you because that was so stinking good what you said. But the band-aids, if you can identify, what's your default? What do you run into every time worry creeps up into your life? Is it, is it drink? You know, is it shopping? Is it food? You know, is it an addiction? Is it something online? What is it that when it flares up in you this worry that you just kind of default and run back to? And if you can identify that, I'm telling you what, Paul's going, hey, let's kind of get this one really clear that it's all about are you in the Lord? We kind of at City Point, we describe it all the time. Maybe some of you who are kind of veterans around here is, is this idea of this faith line stuff. We go, what does it mean to be in the Lord? It's, it's kind of this move from you kind of being all about yourself and, and kind of trying to fix yourself and kind of 
make yourself feel better and kind of band-aiding up yourself to you saying, you know what, it's not about me anymore. I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to move from my hope being in me and my hope being in my abilities and my, you know, my capabilities of building a shed and a garage and all these things to going, it's all God. And I step over the faith line and move my hope to he's everything. And if I have him, then I can be joyful. Friends, to be really clear on this one, how do you overcome worry in your life? The first way is to be in the Lord. Paul says, always be full of joy, but be in the Lord. The second one, if you're writing this down, you can jot down number two. The first one is be in the Lord. The second thing is pray about everything. Pray about absolutely everything. And kind of here's where we get that from. Two verses later, after he's saying, be in the Lord, he actually writes this down. He says, don't worry about anything. So stop, stop worrying about stuff in your life. He's like, get rid of that stuff. It's no good. There's no joy when that comes. But then he goes on to say, but pray about everything. Instead, you know, replace your worry with, with prayer. And then he says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Love that verse. So much kind of clarity into this thing where he just says, stop worrying and just start praying. He's saying pray about everything. And just kind of making this really simple prayer, as easy as I can define it, is literally just talking to your heavenly father. It's, for, for some of us maybe who've had good fathers, this might be an easier thing for you to grab onto, but I know for my own life, there's nothing more calming for me than when I can pick up the phone and talk to mom or dad. If I was stressed out as a kid, and if, if dad were to come into the room and just kind of calm me down, it was kind of an amazing experience. Worry would kind of go away, and it's kind of what I hope for my girls. If they're in a tight spot, they can say, hey, Dad, and I come, and I kind of help calm their nerves because I have, you know, I'm listening. They have my ear. They can, they can come to me in the same way. This is why Paul says, just pray. Because you have a heavenly Father who's at your fingertips waiting for you to just come to him and just lay your concerns. And I'm telling you what, the biggest hindrance to me going to God is when I think I can do it without him. And I can just go, hey, God, I don't need you. I got this one. And so I'm not sure if you want to write down this is extra credit, but there's this, this phrase that I've just been kicking around as I've been getting ready for this morning is, I can't, but God can. It's not on the side screen. I can't, but God can. I can't, but God can. It helps me start to pray more. When I realize what I can't do, that only God can do. Let me just give you some examples. I can't heal my loved one. But boy, does it cause a lot of worry. God can, so I'm going to pray. I can't, but God can. I can't change my spouse. I don't need to change anything about you. I just had to throw this one in there for everybody else. <laughs> but I can't, but God can. So, so instead of panicking and worrying, just being all uptight about everything, you just go, there's some things I can't do that God just has to do, and so I'm going to just start praying about it. I can't protect my kids from everything. But God loves my kids even more than I do. And I'm going to lean into that. I can't change tomorrow. But God knows my future. So I'm just going to lean into him. I can't let my worry do anything. It doesn't change anything. But God, having him in my life, can change everything. And so this is the idea of I can't, but God can. It's really why, I'll put it back on the screen for you, why Paul says don't worry about anything. He's going, just stop it. Because your worry doesn't get you anywhere. Now, if there's some things that you can do about it, then do it. But for the most part, there's a lot of things that we can't do that we end up kind of staying upstairs, dreaming about and thinking about and letting ourselves be burdened by that only God can. He says, 
Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Just be grateful that you have the ear of your heavenly father. And then verse 7 says, then you'll experience God's peace, which talk about squash and worry. He says, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus. Yeah, I have, I feel like as I've worried lately, I quote to myself a lot, don't worry about anything, don't worry about anything, don't worry about anything. And I have ignored the verses that follow this and what God asks us to do to pray about everything and to thank God. And then the promise that comes with that is so powerful that you will experience a peace that is beyond human comprehension. So I don't know about you, but when I start to worry, uh, my worry spirals really, really fast. So just a simple example of something I worry about, a kid with asthma. So she starts to have asthma. I worry about that, but quickly that worry turns into like, crap, are we eating the wrong diet? And do we need to go see a new doctor? And do we need to try something else? And I mean, why worry spirals out of control? And by the time I'm done, I'm worried about all those things. Plus, I'm worried that I'm completely ill-fit to be a parent, and I should never have been a mom in the first place. Ooh. And that's what worries us. That's poor My worry can that's really, big. really spiral. Um, so I have learned a new practice sort of by putting these verses into practice in my life. When I feel the weight, the weight of worry, like Solomon talked about, the heaviness of worry coming, right. that first thought of worry, I've tried to just take the Bible for exactly what it says don't and pray. And so my prayer life has become so simple and so what I feel like is elementary, but I think it's what exactly what Paul is asking us to do. So I just start simply reciting sentence prayers. So it might look something like this, God, I'm worried about this hospital bill. God, I'm worried about my kid's health. God, I'm worried about sending my kid to kindergarten next year. God, I'm worried about this situation with my extended family. And then I stop. And it's more like me in my past to go ahead and present my request and then go ahead and present to God a five-step plan for how I think he should resolve these worries that are consuming That's my That's not life. like you. <laughs> you never. So, uh, but what Paul says is present your requests to God. Yeah. And then he stops and he says, and then thank God. And so what I'm learning is all the eloquence I have tried to muster in thinking if I can just pray the right way, God won't just take away my worry. He will just fix everything in my life. God is just saying, just tell me and we'll deal with your worry. And I'm going to give you this peace that you cannot even understand. So I flat out, I just say these sentence prayers and then I just say these sentence thank yous that are so simple. But okay, thank you, God, for excellent medical care. Thank you for making me a mom. Thank you for teachers. Thank you that I have family to love and be loved by. And that's that. And that has been a powerful way for me to deal with my worry. Because often what I find myself doing is just worrying with God. You know, asking him to commiserate and join me in my worry. When really what he's saying is, stop worrying. You know, just tell me. And then I'm the one that's going to give you the peace. You're not going to somehow discover peace in these plans that you dream up. You're going to have to just trust that I'm going to give you this peace. And so when my prayer life has just gotten more simple... And um, I have done exactly what Paul has said here. I have experienced this peace that is beyond human comprehension that we can't even explain that happens when you are in the Lord and when you take him at his word and pray. Yeah. I tell you what, this kind of reminds me of something that Carrie does in our house that just, let me be honest, kind of drives me nuts. Uh, she likes to purge. How many of you guys are purgers? Real quick, just show me if you're a purger. Yeah, like, good. There's not very many. But I, I have a feeling after I get done, you'll be like, yeah, I like to purge. You just don't even know it. Here's what happens. Just even this last week, Carrie's out in the garage going, why do we still have this? And she wants to throw it away. 
I'm like, hold on, that was my grandma's, grandma's blanket that she gave to you know, nobody that I even know. And she's like, we do not need this. And she wants to purge it away. And, or we're down in kind of our storage room. And I, I'll just be honest, I got a lot of T-shirts and a lot of old tennis shoes. And she's like, it's time to get them to go. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And she's like, literally the other night made me stay up late, like purging different stuff that I don't wear anymore. And I'm going, I might someday, one day, once wear, you know, wear this. She's like, stop it. Throw it away. Get it out. And you, you know what I kind of was thinking was, maybe that's for somebody in the room. Is some of you, you, you pray, and you're kind of going, yeah, I can get this. I can, I can ask God about my worry to kind of take this stuff, but I still want to hold on to it. And I'm here to tell somebody in the room, purge. Let it go. When you identify what you're worrying about, purge it. Take it away, because the truth is, when I know in my life where I actually cut some of the slack, some of the garage actually gets cleaned out, and my neighbors are happy, I'm happy, I mean, people are happy, but the truth is, it's when it's gone, when I actually find the freedom. Does that make sense? This is kind of this idea of just purge, just let it go, and so what are we going to do with our worry? We're going to pray about it, but we're not going to hold on. We're not going to, hey God, we ask that you do this, pray, and then you just kind of grip it, you know, with two fists and just hold on. Just let it go. You're going to purge it and let it release. The first thing you do to overcome worry, friends, number one, is you're in the Lord. The second thing is you pray about everything, and the third thing you can jot down is this, is you think something better. You think something better. See, the truth is, there's got to be this replacement that goes on. When When you pray and you actually let go of the stuff that you've been worrying about, there needs to be something that kind of refills you. And it's kind of this think something better. We've got to replace the worry with something different. There's got to be a switch. And I think that's exactly what Paul encourages us to do. Check this out on the side screens. He says this in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says this, and now, kind of like a perfect conclusion to the series. He says one final thing. He says, and now, one Final thing, he's almost like he's going, if I could tell you one final thing to do to kind of squash the worry, to increase joy in your life, he says this, which is just giant. He says, fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things. He's going, fix your thoughts. Think something different, he says. Think about things that are excellent. And worthy of praise. See, the truth is, I think Paul could sum it up by saying, think something different. If you've been letting worry bog you down, like Solomon said, it just weighs a person down, let it go and replace it with something different. He's going, choose one of them. Something lovely, pure, admirable. I think about Carrie. It's all those things to me, baby. Extra credit in front of all you guys. This is just hers. Just lets her come in my brain. I love it. But I'm telling you what, when we choose to fix our thoughts on something better, joy increases every time. So quick timeout. If we were to do a, a thought inventory this morning, what would the results be? When I was in high school, I worked at Fairway. I was a courtesy guy, you know, boy, you know, little clip on tie and and every once in a while, every quarter, we had to go and do an inventory of the whole store. I hated those nights. But you want to know what you're doing. We were checking to see what's on the shelves, what's in the back, what's, you know, what's the merchandise that we have, or do we have enough of this? We wanted to make sure. And I think it's, 
I think it's healthy for us every once in a while to do kind of a thought inventory. So so real quick, kind of hang with me on this one. Are your thoughts right now more worried or peaceful? Where's it at? For you, if you're just honest with yourself, I mean, what consumes you more right now? Worry or peace? To be quite honest, my heart breaks for some of you in the room who live life worried. It's not the best that God has for you. And he'd say, would you please just come to me? Would you just come and just lay it down? You don't have to let that burden you anymore. Others of you, you need to move on past that one. Maybe are your thoughts right now negative or positive? And I know that seems so, you know, simple. But where are your thoughts? Are you you critical? I mean, is it easy for you to judge? Is it easy for you to just kind of see the worst? Or are you somebody who sees something better. I'm telling you what, God did not create you to walk around as a negative Nancy, to be burdensome with your thoughts. I think God wants to give you a gift when we step over the faith line, a gift of having new thoughts. Maybe one last inventory. Are your thoughts right now worldly? All consumed about here and the now? Or are your thoughts eternal? spiritual. And for some of you who are new to church, you're like, what does that even mean? Well, what is simplest? Are you focused on yourself? Material things? Concerned about your name getting bigger? Or is there something more? Are your thoughts on making a difference? Being a part of a church, being a part of a movement that wants to reach our region? Are you concerned about your neighbor, your coworker, your lost family member or friend who doesn't know Jesus and you're going, man, I gotta let my thoughts go to a place of something of greater significance than the here and the now? I think Paul would say, would you fix your thoughts on something better? It'll squash worry. Yeah, I think it's important for us to realize that we only have so much mental and emotional capacity. Yeah. And in this day and age, we have access to so much information that can cause so much damage to our souls. And it's important to remember that God is really good at being God, and we're not. And so much of what we read and we see and we allow in our minds are things so far out of our control that they cannot even move us to action. And so all they are is worry. Yet we fill and fill and fill our minds with these things, and we're out of capacity to think about things that are true and that are noble and that are good because our minds are so full of the news and so full of social media. I just want to read a quick quote to you from a book called How's Your Soul by Judah Smith, and he's talking about this very thing, about just being careful about our minds and our souls. He says, I'm not advocating being cold-hearted or indifferent or ignorant. I'm all for staying in touch with current events, And we should allow our hearts to feel the pain of those around us. But I don't know if our souls have the capacity to comprehend and process all of the world's tragedies. I know God does, but I don't think we do. We are all stewards of our own souls by the grace of God. And we can set limits on what we listen to, what we hear, what we see. Just because we can know something doesn't mean we should know it. Or that we should fret and fixate and focus on it. And so I love Paul's words that we've got to think about things that are true. And most of our worries are things that could potentially one day possibly be. And they're simply not true. So just 
know that there's freedom today to stop. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to hear every story that people want to tell you and ask you to invite you into their worry. You don't have to read your news feeds all day if it just causes you to worry. It's okay to let God be God and to hold the world in his hands and not try to take it into yours. He has your very world in his hands. and He has the rest of the world in his hands. And you can make room in your soul and in your mind to think about that, things that are honorable and good. Yeah. So, hey, what are we going to do? Three things. We've got to eliminate worry. It's no good for any of us. I'm telling you what, it'll make a difference in our community if we leave here as people who are going, you know what, I've got to get rid of this stuff. We're going to be in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? We're going to pray about everything. We're going to make sure that, that God's a bigger part of our life, and then we're going we're gonna to think about something better. We're just going to get our thoughts onto God. I think there's no better way to wrap up this series than to sing a song that really puts an exclamation point on it. There's a lyric to this song that says, I'm still in your hands. God, I'm still in your hands. I don't need to worry when I'm in God's hands. He says, this is my confidence. God, you've never failed me. And there's something that happens to worry when we know that we are close with God. The worry kind of just goes away. So would you pray with me? And I'll pray over us, and then we'll sing the song out. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks so much for being our God who loves us. God, for those of us in the room right now who have just been burdened, maybe we could relate so much to feeling the weight of worry. God, in these next few minutes, would you release that? Would we discover a new confidence of being in your hands stepping over the faith line and having a relationship with you, God, where we can trust in your promises, trust in your strength, trust in your hope, trust in your love for our lives. So God, would you speak to us in these next few moments as we sing. We pray this in your name. Amen. Band, you guys can take it away.